My close friends know Margaret Kalowski for her infectious laugh and endless affection. When I asked my mom to be a guest on the podcast, she wasn't entirely sure she could top her husband's episodes, but she settled on The Shack, a religious book in which the lead character grapples with his own faith after his young daughter's abduction during a family camping trip. Years later, he receives a note asking for him to come visit the shack where his missing daughter's clothes were found. And when he gets there, he's met with modern versions of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Through our discussion, we talk about her religious upbringing, mine, and how this book has helped renew her own faith after countless battles with cancer, the most recent of which left her with one eye. I hope you enjoy it. I'm your old pal Slim, and this is Link in Bio. Is this your first podcast? Yes. First ever? First ever in my life. <laughs> they didn't have a long <laughs> They just had regular old radio back then. Yes, they did. I read the book. Just finished it this morning, actually. Really? First time ever reading. What made you choose this one? I like the way it gave you the look of a different God. Hmm. Well, when I was growing up, he was very stern. Everything was evil. Everything you did was a sin. And I liked the presentation of a loving, giving God. Instead of thinking of all the sins I had to confess in confession. Right. This it, book doesn't even touch on that. No. Really Well, at it all. does. They have a statement there. Um, there was a statement about repentance, but... God, the story the fella said that God forgets your sins. The minute that's done, that's past life, mm. which is a, a nice concept because the old church, you usually you carried your sins and then you were judged at the end of your life, you know, and all those sins come up again. In this, I liked it because that wasn't part of it. Yeah. That wasn't part of life. It's relationships, uh, how you deal with others, and how God is in all of that. And that's a hard concept for people. Yeah. Especially if you don't believe. You know, I, it's not a book for everybody. But for me, it was an uh, uplifting, happy book. I was thinking to myself, like, if you were being interviewed by a... Uh charlie rose-esque character or one that isn't embroiled in controversy <laughs> they would ask when did your relationship with god begin like what was your upbringing like with the catholic church or with religion well, my, my father was very stern church every day confession every week but it wasn't a happy relationship with god um i was always afraid you know i was gonna get struck down by lightning <laughs> Well, weren't you literally struck by lightning at one point? Yeah, I was. <laughs> it's a topic for <laughs> another podcast. Maybe you did. <laughs> um, my relationship with God actually started when I, <laughs> by accident, went into the convent. By accident? Yes. I didn't want to go to college. <laughs> <laughs> I did not like school. Mm. I didn't want to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And a friend of mine was going in the convent. I thought, okay, I'll, I'll go and I'll you know, work with children. I uh -huh. love working with children. I yeah. do not like teaching. Um, and that's when it happened. And that's when I found prayer life, 
um, peace on, for about seven years. And then I had enough. I revolted. You, <laughs> you don't hear many people say they accidentally went into the convent. Well, I think that's what it was with me because I, you know, I didn't know what in the name of God I wanted to do with life. And my father always pushed, you know, you have to go to college, you have to go to school. Mm-hmm. And I was the oldest girl. My brother went into the service. My other brother had disabilities, so he couldn't do it. But I was the one, you're going to go to college. I had an aunt and an uncle in religion, you know, and, this, and it was pushed. Yeah. So I thought I had to. How did that um, How did that go when you decided to leave the convent? What was that reaction like? I was paralyzed. Mm. My I, The decision to, to leave actually paralyzed me. I couldn't get out of bed. Wow. And I thought, ooh, all right, you're really trying to tell me something here. But Father Jim, my uncle, came and he said, look at the pros and cons of everything and what would make you happier. Who was uh, Father Jim? My, my father's brother. He was a Jesuit priest. And uh, he's the one that, he was down in New Orleans where I was stationed when I had to make that decision. And he worked a week, I think, with me just mentally trying to get through that. And I wouldn't wish it on anyone. Mm. It, it was a major decision because in the church they said, well, if you're in religion, you're meant to be here. God took you here, and this is supposed to be your life. Well, it wasn't. I wasn't happy, and I didn't think God wanted me to be an angry nun, which there were many of. <laughs> <laughs> right, slapping wrists with rulers. Yeah, yeah. Throwing erasers. So... And then when I left, I was at peace. I think I was at peace and then met your dad. How soon after did you meet dad from leaving the convent? Um, we were married in 61. I came out in 68. We were married in 71. So, and it was only, it was a quick decision on dad's part. The only one he's made his whole life, bless his heart. But um, about a year, a year after I came out, we went to a dance, my girlfriend and I. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I thought she she was Polish, and then we met Dad, and I thought, oh, wouldn't they make a nice couple? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he called me instead. Uh, how soon after you two met did you decide to get married? Oh, uh, November three months. Three really? Three months. Dad was ready. Wow. I know. I, I was, Amanda and I. I'm trying to think of how long it was after, that's faster than Amanda and I, because Amanda and I were fast. Yes. Yeah. But we didn't break that record. <laughs> no, the, I don't the, think the anybody has yet. <laughs> <laughs> Father Jim uh, was, if I remember correctly, a big part of my youth. Mm-hmm. He was, I remember referring to him as the oldest living Jesuit. Yes, he was. At that, t- for a large part of my life. Yes. And now, if you follow the news... There is another Jesuit priest with the same name, Father yes, Jim Martin, was, who yes. is very kind of mainstream. Yes, he is. In his outspoken uh, Jesuits political were known for that. Jesuits are known for being outspoken and very forthright with mm-hmm. everything. And um, I like that. What was his main role in the Jesuits at the? Because I remember when we used to go visit him. Yeah, and we used tired. to just listen to him speak. I don't know if he was in some kind of like. Retirement Jesuit. community, yeah. Janet Georgetown, yeah. Mm-hmm. But he did a lot of things. He was in the war, chaplain in the Second World War, um, and then went to the Philippines and introduced 
basketball to the Philippines hmm. and taught for a while, but mostly did mission work. He would go to parishes and um, give missions, you know, like they do for three or four days. Mm-hmm. Built a retreat house in um, Maryland and ran the retreat house for years. I remember he was the one who instructed me to try the one-handed backhand in tennis. Did he really? And that was why was I, very, I stayed with it. Very athletic man. Um, played almost every sport. Really? Loved golf. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think he would have thought of the shack? I think he would have enjoyed it because he was a more he was more advanced in religion than the church itself, and I I liked that that made me able to move on and uh, was very progressive. The Jesuits, as I said, were known for that, but he's very progressive in his religion. Oh, I remember growing up um, when we used to go to mass at the Catholic church, you kind of always remem- reminded me not to take things too literally. Mm-hmm. And I think that was very a rare thing for parents to say. But even on top of that, you were very open to, I think once we hit a certain age, you were aware that our decision to either accept mm-hmm. the religion that we grew up with or go elsewhere was just entirely up to us. And you were very open to that. Well, you were an adult by that time. Yeah. You know, I had done that and I had done everything through school to give you that background. And that's all a parent can do is to give a child a background in their religion or what they believe in. Once you're out living on your own, I have no say in that. <laughs> For better or worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like to wring somebody's neck every once in a while, but I have to bite my tongue. <laughs> the 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 way you described the shack went before I read it, I actually thought it was like a horror book because the way the pitch of the book is, oh yeah, you know, a a father who goes through his daughter being murdered gets a note to from someone to meet him in this yes. shack that holds a place in his in his past, and what he finds is unexpected, and what he finds is essentially a like a an updated interpretation of the Trinity, right in this shack and it kind of shakes his core Mm -hmm. and helps him go through what they refer to as the great sadness, yes, which essentially was like depression or extreme grief, right? which I thought was a very interesting description of it. I was kind of surprised that they didn't just say grief or depression or depression because I think that even those terms are still very taboo in the Catholic church and in, in those teachings, but you can kind of infer that that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, when I read it, I kind of viewed it as pretty much an updated teaching of who Jesus is and, and how you should view things. Because mm-hmm. it's, it, and, and it's very basic at its, at its onset, because when you meet God, she's a black woman. She's yes. like a very loud, boisterous black yes. woman. And Mac, the main character, is like, you can't be God. Like, right. well, what's happening here? He doesn't get it at first. Right. And, uh, but I feel like my upbringing, I felt like that was kind of just assumed anyway, that you should be open to those things. So it felt like a story at its basic level of Christianity kind of needs to evolve and the people in it needs to need to evolve as well. Yeah. The whole Trinity, I think put me back a bit to think of them in that way. But then when you got to in deeper into the book, I thought, oh, well, this is, this is fabulous. And it, 
I don't know, and I tell everybody to read the book, but I don't know how they would accept it. But at my point in life now, that is what I needed mm. when I read the book. It was what I needed. And I, I was very liberal with you children in the religion. And I thought, well, maybe I should <laughs> step back and think of myself here. <laughs> For the first time. Yeah, but I, it also came at a time when I first got my cancer. So that also helped me go through that, too, mm -hmm. in that, you know, God's always there. Although, I don't know if I should tell you this one. When I was in the convent and made my vows, first vows, and came back and was kneeling there, I had a feeling of a presence around me, and I'll never forget it. And I've always referred back to that when I'm in need. And I felt as if he just hugged me. So that's what's gotten me through a lot of things in life. That I know he's there. I know I can rely on him. As it says in the book, he's always with you. And he's always love. He's just, just love. There's no sadness. There's no badness in, in any of it. It's just love and that's what life should be that's what we should do the crux of the story is pretty much that even though some kind of great terrible event can happen mm -hmm. if you give in to god like there's you won't get kind of like an obvious reward and these things don't happen for a reason but you should just kind of like trust in him yeah. no matter what which i feel like is very different from the teachings in general. And they even touch on that in the book. Like he, mm -hmm. this guy, Mac is still just bewildered by the whole thing. He oh, goes gosh, to the shack yeah. and they're there. He's blown out of his mind. Yeah. And he brings up, well, what about the 10 commandments? Yes. And all the rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I have to follow all these mm -hmm. things in the, in the Bible and Eloisa, God, Papa, she has three different names. Yeah. She's, she's like, well, when, how is that? How has that worked out for you so far? I just reread that part. <laughs> Which uh, is, has got to be shocking for so many people to read this book. I think it is. And that's why I say, I guess not everyone can accept that. I don't know. Because I, I read that many evangelicals think the book is dangerous. Like they, uh -huh. I saw a lot of negative articles where they think it's heresy and uh -huh. can lead to trouble for people that read it. I can see that because they he says he's not into institutions, he's not into rules and regulations, um, and that will throw a lot of people. But I also think that it would bring a lot more people into religion. As I said, and I've always said this, I think the institution is too regimented. The Pope will tell you this. Mm -hmm. Too regimented, too regulated, um, and too man-driven. Which they even talk about in the book, too. Mm -hmm. About how Eloisa says the majority of the problems come from men and things might be we different if women uh, were other in charge. The thing that I liked about it was free will. And they go back to Adam. And he's the one that God gave free will to, and he ignored it and ate the apple. And that's why we have trouble in the world. Only in the fact that we still have free will, God never took it away from us. But then we're the ones that are making the mistakes. It's not God. Mm. It's all human foibles 
that have happened through the centuries that have caused everything. So the, that's another thing that I like about it. If we, if we form friendships or relationships, not friendship, a relationship with more people, show the love that God wants us to show and not be damning everybody, the world would be a better place. Yeah, there was a segment where I can't remember the character's name, but there was a, another meeting with Mac where he meets a woman who was, I think, the personification of God's intelligence or mm -hmm. personality. Oh, I the can't, Holy Spirit. I'm not sure if it was the Holy Spirit. Yes, there was, an, there was, was another female character oh. that Mac had a meeting with, and that's where he got called out for being too judging. And that character talked about how, you know, how dare you judge so like so oh, often and okay. you know imagine if you had the power of god and i think that later they get to the topic of the institutions and i was kind of curious what this the book would tell you about the the thinking there like the institution of marriage it's not an institution it's right. a relationship yeah they they kind of just glossed over like they the the idea that it's an institution of marriage is kind of a joke and like we never said that that's right um, and I was fascinated. The, I think the the thing that most fascinated me about the book was how, the, which I'm, I I understand that that the writer wanted to say this, but without giving in and having a relationship with God, there is only evil, which I thought was like the the most very dramatic, very dramatic and morbid. But it was probably the most kind of like maybe eyebrow, uh, eyebrow raising section of the book, which mm -hmm. I can understand everything else. Mm -hmm. I mean, as much as you can understand someone trying to explain the Holy Trinity That's in a right. way that makes any That's sense. Right. Um, but that, that, that part came up several times and I think I wrote, a pa I wrote a passage down. Let me see if I can find it. I wrote that the feeling that true independence is bad mm -hmm. and that its relationship with God is the only way. Declaring independence will result in evil because apart from me, you can draw only upon yourself. That is death because you have separated from me life, which I think is very dark. And it's the darkest part of the book. It is dark. And I think that's it's hard to understand that. But I think without God, we're all evil because he gives us that goodness and that is the goodness that is in us comes from him. Do you think people that don't believe in God can find goodness? Yes. Without him? I found that in the book. I find that in the in the book. It shows me that I've been judgmental and in a lot of things, but in religion I've been very judgmental. In that, you know, all those bad people have a right to forgiveness and to be have a relationship with God. But that's another thing that's opened my eyes to think of things differently, especially he and his forgiveness, that he had to forgive the guy that killed his daughter. Right. Which he didn't have to have a relationship. He had to work through that forgiveness in order to come out and be sane again. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I was struck by the the path of the book because I was expecting wrongly that he would meet God in the shack and he would say to Mac, well, your daughter was murdered, but everything happens for a reason and she had to die for so this to sad. happen. Yeah. So I was like anticipating that part of the story and, and I was happened. like, oh, I can't wait for that to happen because I don't want it to happen and I think that's a cop out, but it didn't happen and no. I was actually pretty surprised. Yes, yes. They just kind of glossed over that and... 
that it's even though it happened, you still kind of have to just trust in. And I was expecting the parallel of Jesus having to give himself for the people and Missy, the daughter, having to do that as well mm. for him to grow. But that wasn't the case. So I was kind of glad that that didn't happen. Yeah. There was a couple parts too when you realize that. Um, is that kind of ringing on? Yeah, four times. Okay. <laughs> we can wait a second. Sorry. <laughs> Put your commercial in. Not a bad idea, Peg. If you're heading to the shack and need a new scarf or hat, or even a nice blanket to wear as you meet your own holy trinity, if you believe in one at all. And if not, that's great too. Check out Half Double Design, where Amanda doesn't care what god you do or do not pray to. Amanda's waiting to hear from you, and you won't regret it. Check out halfdoubledesign.com for more. When you, Because you have both the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus, and they're all there together, and but they're having kind of like normal conversations. Mm -hmm. And then even Mac asks, like, why are you why are you doing dishes? Like, why are you asking me questions you already know the answer to? And I liked the explanation, which was we're limiting ourselves out of respect for you so that we can have these kind of interplay and conversations, with, which I thought was a nice touch because it kind of answered his question and the reader's question as to why would anyone interact with a God and not, That's right. you know, have their mind blown instantly. Yeah. I did like the, the three characters and how they were, how they were played out. Um, and I was shocked that there wasn't a kind of religious cop out or religious explanation as to why bad things happen. Because my hang up is if, if a God does exist, I don't, I don't personally believe that he has, he answers prayers because I don't, if, because bad things do happen to people and it's not like those people don't pray for those bad That's things. because they have free will. Bad things happen because we have free will. And he will not step in and deter your free will. So we make those decisions ourselves. That's not God. He lets us do that. Now, that's one part of the old religion that I believe in. And come to th this book is not Catholic written. So it's not by a priest or anybody right. like that. So a lot of the things in there... I like, and I think the church should pick up on, but I know they won't. But the free will thing I believe in, and that answers a lot of my questions, was when he went back and says, I will not step in on your free will. So you have to make that decision. Yeah, I think that's the main hang up for a lot of people, yeah. which is the age old question, why do bad why things happen bad to good people? Yes. And mm -hmm. I think that comes at odds because you see so many people on television and in mainstream sports say how they, you know, you know, God helped me. Mm -hmm. God answered my prayers. It was, I couldn't have done this without God, without him at my side, which I think is just all. It's overdone, I think, is what probably your problem is. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, everybody, because they're doing good things, God helped me do that. But if something bad happened, then you go back to them and say, well, yeah, well, you know. Where was, was your the God reason? there, pal? <laughs> <laughs> and there we are, judgmental. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, some of those people but, do, do need some judgment. <laughs> Just shut their mouths up. <laughs> but I think that's a lot of people's hang up. If, I think those kinds of people, I'm sounding very judgmental, but they put a negative light on re that religion on re yes. itself. Mm -hmm. And I think it shuts people out to 
um, get educated. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that you need to get educated about this particular religion. I'm not saying that it's what I ascribe to, but right. I think it's helpful to learn and and read and and see whatever see what everyone believes in. That's and, right. I mean, and if I, anyone- there was another part in there where you know he said, "Well, I'm am I Christian?" And she said. Oh, yeah, no, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, that's not true. Everybody, Mormons, Jews, you know, Muslims. Buddhists, Muslims, everyone are my children, and they believe in me, mm-hmm. only in different ways. So that's that's a lot to grasp. Yeah, that, that could have been the, the main, if, if that's the main takeaway for so many people, that's a huge takeaway it it for is. them, which I think I understand why evangelicals were p- probably put off by this because it affects their livelihood it does. to a degree. It yeah, it limits them. Mm-hmm. Their mm-hmm. power is extremely mm-hmm. limited by by people who believe in this book. When he says he did not form any institutions, he didn't have any hand in forming the institutions. Well, Catholic Church, we say, comes down from the apostles. And apostles come from Jesus. So, question you know, what does the institution mean? Mm-hmm. Is it needed? Yeah, in a way. I find comfort in church, though. He, I, in the book, Jesus does say that he, his, the woman he's in love with is the, is church, the church. And it's the bringing of people together to share. I can't, it might just, I can't remember what he said, but share love or yes. share, share their life with each other. And that's it. Everything else is kind of it's just essay. not mentioned at all. Right. And that's probably the institution part, mm-hmm. which I can understand why people that work in these institutions probably crap their pants with when this sold like 10 million copies and I like, know. oh, we could be in trouble here. Oh, well, I'm out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it won't be a bad thing if those people go out of jobs. Uh, let's see. I did enjoy it. I liked getting a different perspective on, uh, it's not necessarily, I was about to say the Catholic Church, but just religion in general yes. with a God, you know, uh, being a God-fearing person, uh, because it changes all of that. Yes, And I honestly, I feel like people that do go to church on a weekly basis probably should read this to get a different perspective on things. Mm-hmm. I think we'd all benefit. A more open and more open experience with God. Mm-hmm. And, and God is everywhere. You know, you don't have to be in church to be with God. Yeah. But um, I, I found it awakening. Have you seen the movie? No, I would like to. I didn't even know they made a movie until I looked. Uh, oh, really? Until I finished the book, because the the version that I got from the library has a afterward from the author. Okay. And he talks about how he wrote it and had no intention of publishing it. And uh-huh. then some of his friends read it and said, you should publish it. And then they did, and nobody wanted it. And it didn't sell anything after a year, but through word of mouth. It was on the New York Times bestseller list for uh-huh. 49 weeks. Uh-huh. I think he should be proud of himself for the love and the kindness that he's brought into the world. And the understanding, just with a simple little book that, you know, the church didn't even say anything about <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's the most positive religious book that I've read in a long mm. time. What other books are you reading? This is a off my a genre. I, I use mystery books. My 
the one I like, uh, the other book I would have said to you is a Louise Penny. She wrote a series on Inspector Gamache. Gamache. From, yeah, from Ottawa, Canada. Mm-hmm. And the characterizations that she put in this book, I think she's written at least 10 or 12. And I've read every one of them that follow this couple, their children, and the murders and things that happen. And um, it's an excellent series. And you don't hear about her. Yeah. I've never heard of her until I found it. The only one I know about is Poirot. Poirot. Oh. <laughs> Inspector Poirot. Yes, Poirot. What was the show you used to watch? Uh, <laughs> I think Poirot was in it. Oh, but yeah. I remember the intro to the series was like black and white animated. P- was that a PBS, PBS show? Yeah, that's the introduction to all of their mysteries. Mm. Now Dad and I are watching Endeavor. What's that? Who is Inspector Morse. <laughs> that used to be a series called Inspector Morse. But now they've backtracked to when he was younger. And they call it Endeavor. Mm. And he was only known as Morse. Nobody knew anything else. In this one, you know his last name is Endeavor. Interesting. So, it's a, you know, any of PBS mysteries are good. Was mis- was mystery the number one genre when uh, you started kind of reading a ton of books? Yes. Nancy Drew was my first. Mm. Never, ha- I hated reading. Now, that was one of the positive things that came out of going to confession every Saturday because <laughs> we had to go to the library in the summer. So we'd go to confession and then we'd come back and we'd go to the library. And that's when I found Nancy Drew. Changed my whole life. Because I I read word for word. I never got a concept out of anything. I just read for word for word until I started reading her series. And uh, it, it, cha- it changed my life because hmm. I never stopped reading. Yeah, you read a ton of books. I do. Amanda was probably a distant second I just, to you. <laughs> I do enjoy reading. And that's why I miss my Kindle. Cause I, well, it's charging hopefully right now. <laughs> we had a... <laughs> Uh, we thought your new Kindle was dead already, but hopefully it was just an unplugged cable. I just, I have to have something to read. Uh-huh. Now, this has been a problem. You just referenced your eye. My eye. Yeah, my eye has been a problem because it gets t- I get tired quickly with just reading, believe mm-hmm. it or not, with one eye is tiring. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine everything is tiring with only one eye. It is, honey. It I don't is. even know how you drive. Driving, believe it or not, is the one thing I don't fear because it's distance and I can see in a distance mm-hmm. when things are up close, like walking in the grass, going down an uneven pavement. Those are things that scare me. Well, you're never running down a street well, <laughs> or jumping down, just, a, down a hill. <laughs> Not anymore. No, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the things close at hand uh-huh. that I have to do already. So the Kindle, the Kindle doesn't have, like, you, you can still, did it take a while to adjust to the reading on the Kindle with only one eye? No, not really. Mm. No, I, I do enjoy my Kindle. That's the one thing. I, As I said that out loud, I can't recall the last thing I've done with only one eye. Like, I could easily just try and see how difficult it is, and I'm just asking. You know, you. I was walking in the mall one day, and of course the kids are all, they go, you know, they walk by with their mouth open, and this one little boy walked by me and then went <laughs> put his hand over his eye to see what it looked like with one eye. Uh-huh. I thought that was the cutest thing. <laughs> so what's next on your list of uh, books to read? Uh, I'm reading one now by uh, uh, Nora Roberts. And I'm not 
too sure if I gotten into it yet. Sometimes you have to really read a third of the book before I can mm-hmm. get a hold on the characters. Um, reading that, she also writes another series under a pen name J.D. Robb that are mysteries, murder mysteries. And the woman in that is a detective married a rich Irish guy. It's, you know, they live in this huge home, but she's a detective. And mm-hmm. Of course, he's always right there to figure something out for her. <laughs> but um, I like those. I like Patterson. I like James Patterson. And all the mystery writers. I just, um, Stuart Woods, I read. Coben, I read. How many books do you read in a month? Uh, when I'm in the mood... I could read four books a month, hmm. at least. Sometimes I'll read a book in three days if it's really good. There's a website called Goodreads, which I Goodreads. think is- Goodreads. I got that on my Kindle. Do you Do you update on, it when you're done finishing a book? Do you say, like, I finished this book, I rate it four stars? Oh, no, you can do I've never that. Done, that's just the new now on my new Kindle. Mm. I didn't have that on my old one. Yeah, it has Goodreads on I'd there. I'd be interested to follow you on Goodreads. To, uh, oh, really? I'm sure a few people would want to follow you to see oh, that's your, your reading history. <laughs> That's interesting. But on my phone, I got a series of summer mysteries so that they they know what I like to read. Mm-hmm. And they'll put out summer mysteries that maybe you would want to read. So mm. I find that interesting. Yeah, this was the first book that I used uh, Overdrive oh? to get it from the library. Oh, and Amanda showed me how to do it. How cool. I was clueless to how it even worked. So we went when we decided to use this book. Uh, I think it was like 12 bucks on Amazon, but Amanda said, why don't you just go to the library to get a membership and see if they have it? Because she checked the library beforehand and they had a copy. Oh my gosh. Have you done that? Have you gotten books from the library? I would love to go to the library. Because I I think you can- I have a library card. You can connect it. Maybe we'll have to get Amanda to do it because I have no idea how it worked. Yeah. But you sign up for Overdrive. It's an app. And I guess you log in and you say what library you belong to and they verify it. So what I did was I looked in the app and it said one copy available of the shack. So I click it and it connects to my Kindle. So it appears on my Kindle so I can download it and read it. And I think I have like X amount of days to read it before it returns. So then someone else can then quote download it. Oh, how interesting. I guess a lot of libraries do that. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So you save you some money. I think you just did. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe the next time you're on, we'll do a mystery book. Oh, I like that. You have to choose your all-time favorite mystery novel, and then we'll read it. Ooh, that's going to be hard, huh? <laughs> that's like, the one that I'm reading is always the best one. Thank you to my dear mother for being the first guest of season two of Lincoln Bio. If you enjoyed hearing her thoughts and want some book recommendations and maybe check out some photos she takes, you can follow her on Goodreads and Instagram using the links in the show notes. If you're too lazy to look, her Instagram name is Peg Martin. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.